the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Josh Dean. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hi there. And Zach Roland. Hey. Every week on this show, we discuss a movie, and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from major streaming services so that you can participate with us. This week's suggestion came from Zach. It was Alien 3. Some of us watched the extended edition. Some of us watched the theatrical original edition. And we'll talk all about that in a moment. But first, we'll talk about what we've been watching lately. Uh, I've been watching um, after we uh, uh, watched Nightcrawler and Zach had mentioned uh, that series, The Shot in the Dark on Netflix. I ended up watching that. Um, Nice. It was really good. I'm shocked that there aren't more seasons of it. Me too. Um, I feel like they must, something must have gone really wrong after the first season. Uh, Either the uh either the uh the whole idea of it was like i know that like cops and a bunch of stuff got canceled in the wake of um sort of the the civil rights unrest um mm-hmm. that's been going on lately but the the show is older than that uh by a few yeah. years i wonder if like um the brother team like ended up not being able to come back and then they didn't really have a, a a, like cohesive story to pull it together for a second season. But, uh, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I also tried Netflix has a series called young Wallander and I really liked both of the Swedish series and the English series about the Wallander character. Who's like a Swedish detective um, in the British one, he's a British detective for some reason. Um, but uh, Young Wallander, I I struggled to get through the first episode. Did not like the main uh, the main cast guy at all, and uh, and and bailed on it. So that one that one gets the thumbs down for me. <laughs> uh, Nathan, I know you've been uh, watching some horror movies. What have you been watching? Uh, yeah, so I've got through seven so far. I'm a little bit ahead of the game, but uh, I've got an event coming up that's going to prevent me from watching for a couple of days, so I thought I'd go ahead and jump on that. And usually around Halloween, I usually try to jam out more than just one a day, so that's what we're doing. Uh, I started with Eyes Without a Face, um, which I think was French. Um, mm-hmm. It's It was pretty good. It's an old black and white uh uh, kind of a psycho thriller more than anything else. It's not so much horror except for some pretty gory for the time, like uh, uh, face transplant stuff. I, I thought it was pretty pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, the uh, I one of those scenes, the uh, the camera operator fainted while they were shooting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just kind of kept telling myself, like, look, they're not really doing this. It's just a rubber mask, blah blah blah. But it was still pretty pretty graphic. So, yay. Um, I watched Dracula for probably the second time in my life. The original Bram Stoker's 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 Dracula. <laughs> Stoker's. <laughs> the, the original is very Oldman Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> no, no. This is the, this is the original uh, Bela Lugosi. 
Oh, so, okay. I mean, and actually, I know more about that particular movie through the movie Ed Wood than anything else. Yeah, that's uh, that's the Universal Dracula. Right. Now, right. So uh, that's interesting uh, interjection on that. Have you seen the Spanish language version of that movie? No. It's <laughs> I've worth, heard about it. I heard they completely, they reshot the whole thing, didn't they? Yep. Uh, we talked about it on a previous episode. Um, when yeah. they were filming the Bela Lugosi Dracula at night, a crew would come in and use the same sets and the same basic plot, and they reshot every single scene of the movie in, the, in Spanish. And yeah. the Spanish version is a bit scarier. Um, it's got a bit more uh, stuff in it that like they couldn't get away with in in the U.S. because it was made for the you know like the Mexican and Spanish speaking audiences overseas. But uh, it's it's a very interesting movie to compare and contrast because it's literally the same the same uh, sets the same story. Uh, the same days, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and they're, they're shooting the same movie in two different languages. So uh, if you can track it down, it's worth seeing. I don't know if it was scream factory or, or some, or if it was universal themselves, but you can get the Bella Lugosi Dracula. And one of the special features is the Spanish. Version it's universal. Universal has well, like, so a I have, super monster pack. The- Sorry, we bought the Universal like monster pack that's got like all the main ones. I wonder if it's in there. It might be. It should be a um, special feature. I know there's like a super duper edition on Blu-ray that has like everything Universal. Um, yeah, but yeah, this has got like eight movies, ten movies, or something like that. It's got the biggies. The, mostly, most of the time when you find the Spanish version, it's packaged with the English version because they're they both okay. fit on a disc. They're you know they're right. not long movies. Now, Nathan, you mentioned that you watched Eyes Without a Face. Yeah. Um, there is a movie that is kind of similar. Um, definitely give it a shot. It's called The Skin I Live In. I've seen it, if I, if I remember correctly. It's more recent. With uh, Antonio Banderas. Yes. Yeah, I did yes. see that one. That one was pretty freaky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would definitely recommend that one, too. Yep. Um, so, okay, going down my list, we saw Beetlejuice. I think we actually talked about that last week. Uh, Alicia actually watched that with me. Um, I showed her. She had never seen The Ring, so we watched The Ring for her for the first time. The Naomi um, Watts one? The Naomi Watts one. I remember loving the crap out of that when I first saw it in the theater. I think it really hurt that I had a DVD version instead of a Blu-ray version, though. It was one of the worst DVDs I've ever watched as far as like quality of everything. Because mm. um, what I remember about that movie was the cinematography was really on par, and the sound in particular was really good in The Ring, especially in the theater. Um, so that was kind of a little bit of a letdown. So don't buy The Ring on DVD if you can help it. Uh, next one I watched was Haxon. Oh yeah, mm. which is an old uh, silent movie, which kind of operates as like a a documentary with like reenactments of sorts. Um, it's kooky. <laughs> um, it's got a lot of. Gr- I, I think what amazed me about that it's two hours long. First of all, which I never, I didn't realize they did silent movies that long. But um, silent movies can run long because of the uh, 
the title cards. Yeah. Well, so this one, I have to give them props. I mean, for the time, the art direction in it is really good. I mean, there's just a ton of like really cool, like set designs and character designs and things that are all pretty, they're, they're basically trying to recreate all those old drawings and they show a ton of the drawings in the movies too, in the movie too. But, um, yeah, it's, I loved it. I, I don't know if I'd watch it a lot, but I, I think if you're interested in witches, it's certainly a must. I mean, you, it's got a, a ton of good information in it. Yeah, like Metropolis and, is two and a half hours. Um, oh, and it okay. It wouldn't be if they had sound. Like, and you actually, that's like on my list to maybe out. watch this month. Have you not seen it before? No. Oh, damn! Never had a chance. Metropolis is like the silent movie. Isn't yeah. there like an eight-hour cut of that? There's a longer cut because um, there's. There's scenes that were used in um, some international releases of the movie that were lost, and some of it's been found and restored, and some of it has been like sort of recreated from uh, like uh, set photos and things like that. So there are like missing pieces of Metropolis that that extend beyond the two and a half hour uh, American version. But that that's an example of one where like, I mean, that's a, that's like one of the oldest sci-fi movies ever. And so there's a lot of talking in that movie. And so if they were talking and showing at the same time, the runtime would be significant. Like they easily would it easily be a 40 minute shorter movie. If you weren't reading all the slow title cards for, people that read in 1927 and didn't read very fast. Okay. I'll make sure that's on my list. Um, the last two, and you're probably going to shoot me when you realize I haven't seen this until just this week is, uh, John Carpenter's the thing. I had never actually seen it. No, keep in mind, I grew up in a much more sheltered household then. And so I didn't get the opportunity to watch it back then. And quite frankly, I've, I've been looking for it. I, you know, aside from on Blu-ray or something, I was trying to stream it and I've never been able to find a place that would allow that. And so I finally said, let's get it. And so we bought it to watch it and it's freaking amazing. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I wish I'd seen it ages ago. It's, it's but. probably, I mean, it's, it's up there, but a lot of people, uh, say that it's the best remake of all time. Oh, what's the original? There Just was the there was an original version of the thing made in the 1950s. Oh. Yeah, and, and they redid it. Wait. And John Carpenter used all of the like crazy practical effects and like made it, yeah, you know, much scarier, much more R-rated. But the like the same kind of basic plot and stories taken from is like a 50s B movie type of version. Yeah, it's like. It's like American air. The effects are like American werewolf in London on steroids or something. It's just Kurt, Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley and Keith David at their finest. Mm -hmm. Like it just does not get better than that movie. Well, and see the thing is like about a year and a half ago, I thought I'm going to watch some John Carpenter movies. And so, because I hadn't really watched very many of them. Uh, and so I, I rented, um, uh, Escape from New York, and I hated it. I, yeah. I couldn't get into it, and I was like, "If this is what they're like, I'm not going to watch anymore." And I finally just kept hearing people talk about the thing. I'm like, "Fine, I need to really watch this." And by the time it finally got to it this month, I'm like, 
I'm watching it. So really glad I did. And then the last movie, uh, and I won't talk about it much, but is uh, one of the Hitchcock movies I just had never seen before, which was Spellbound, mm-hmm. um, which is the, it's the one that has um, Salvador Dali paintings through a sequence of it uh, as a dream sequence. It's all right. Mm-hmm. It's all right. It's not my favorite Hitchcock movie. Anything where um, Amnesia is so heavily involved in the plot is probably not going to be my hugely favorite movie. So, okay, that's me. Zach, how about you? Uh, since we're doing spooky stuff, um, we I finally. Well, I guess the world got the season finale of The Walking Dead season ten. Finally, the world. Um, apart from those of us that don't watch it anymore, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't anything to write home about. No and way. They normally, they never have anything <laughs> very big at the end of a season. It's usually the penultimate episode that is the bigger one. Um, but even then, like, yeah, season 10 was kind of weird and chopped and screwed. I can't um, believe it. Yeah, they uh, they finally announced they're only going to have two more seasons of Walking Dead. Um, so 12 total. It's going to uh, take four years to come out, right? Because they're going to split it into right. two half seasons. I guess so. Well, they said COVID. 2022 is when the last season will premiere. So, well, they've already announced the spinoff. Well, yeah, there already so, is a spinoff. So there's a new, there's a, there's a one spinoff. The original spinoff was Fear the Walking Dead, which is coming back soon. There's Yay. a new spinoff called uh, The Walking Brave Dead, Brave New World, Brave New World, or something like that. Yeah, um, which I started also watching that, and um, it's like the teen drama version of Walking Dead. Uh, it's the Riverdale of Walking Dead. Um, so not quite sure how I feel about Buffy it yet. Buffy the Walking Dead Slayer. Yeah. How how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know maybe not as Whedon-esque. but um, and then there's gonna be a Carol and Daryl spinoff after the end of the two of the Walking Dead seasons. Eventually. Spoilers. So, I know. Characters Sorry, are gonna survive two more seasons. It could you, be a prequel. You, I don't think anybody on this cares at all. So there's uh, there ain't you know. no turning back the clock on Carol and Daryl at this point. Yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're um, not going to make somehow them before the outbreak into a show. It's like like a sitcom, and then right. they forget each other before the events of The Walking Dead. Look, Carol just got beat by her husband a lot, and Daryl got beat by his brother a lot, and that's kind of the whole story. <laughs> oh, Daryl. <laughs> Oh, so they can yeah. bring back uh, what's his name uh, Merle. Yeah, yeah, um, Henry. Good old so, Henry. Uh, but the but the big surprise that I wanted to drop on you guys is that not only did I watch Alien Three the extended version, but I watched Alien Resurrection the extended version. Oh hell oh. yeah! Oh I'm done. my god! I'm done. I love. We don't it. even talk about that. <laughs> No, is there, I you, loved it. Before we get into that, is there anyone here who has not seen Alien Resurrection? We've all seen it. Okay, I think so. We've all made poor yeah. decisions. So it's it, it's beautiful trash. Oh, it, yes. it movie knows what it is. It's is it? It is. So it is beautiful fun. trash. I thought it was highly entertaining when I watched it the first it time. It is. Yeah. You know who wrote oh, that? Highly was, entertaining. Yeah. There were cringe moments, absolutely moments where I was like, "What the fuck?" and and then like moments where I was like, "I don't know." And then there's the ch- the <laughs> child is born and then the child gets sucked out and it's just like, I'm sorry, spoiler alerts, but like fucking oh my god. But it does I was so like, much I, stuff I, like like 
I loved it. The the alien needs to like burst its jaw through someone's face. Like yeah. that's the level of ridiculousness that this needs to go into. Oh, and the fucking I mean, Ripley's it's worth it for scene. how he dies at the end with the the pudding coming out of the ship or whatever yeah, when yeah. his entrails go out in space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know who wrote yeah. that, right? <laughs> that's that's What's the, that, the baby. You, yeah. you know who wrote that, right? Whedon. Joss Whedon, right? Yeah. Joss yeah. Whedon. Yep. And then I read about how he uh, he hates it because they they kept they were like true to the script but they were bad at the execution mm-hmm. and so like the way that he wrote it it was tongue in cheek but they didn't do it like that in the movie it was much more James Cameron style where it was like just bad dialogue almost so he hates the yeah, fact that that's it's executed his- seriously and you cannot yeah. take the movie seriously it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen like it's bad i mean who doesn't want <laughs> to watch so Ripley bad. have sex with an alien i don't I, who does like it's so good. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of great in the same way we were talking about Twister. I re- was re-listening to one of our old episodes. It's kind of great in the same way that Twister's great. It's yeah. bad, but it's also great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How can you even mention those in I, the I same? I love a good bad movie. I, I'm never watching Twister again. I would watch Alien Resurrection again. Yeah. I'd actually be curious to watch the theatrical version. Since I, I don't know why I do that to myself. I watch the extended versions before the theatrical versions. I guess I just am a sucker for more content. Um, yeah. But I kind of would like to go back and watch both Alien 3, the theatrical, and Alien Resurrection, the theatrical. Yeah, I haven't seen the extended Alien Resurrection, so I'll have to have to do that one of these days. They're all, all the movies and the extended versions are on uh, HBO right now. So Yeah, HBO Max. Yeah, and I read something about how the extended version of Resurrection, they redid the opening sequence and they like hired a whole new team to come in and shoot this opening sequence. Um, but it like doesn't necessarily add anything to the movie. It's just yeah. a sequence. <laughs> so it's like, what? Well, what, hap- okay. what happened it's, with the extended version? Terrible. Well, we'll get into that more with the with the alien discussion. But just briefly, what happened with those was that uh, James Cameron made an extended version of Aliens. And then they asked all three directors of the other Alien movies if they wanted to do the same thing for the uh, the quadrilogy release. And they all said yes, except for David Fincher. And so Alien 3's extended edition was made by the guy that compiled the anthology collection. Um, he's the one that put the scenes back in, and he followed like very closely an earlier uh, work print that David Fincher had, had done. Um, but like the director of Alien Four came back and did the ex- and oversaw the extended cut, and Ridley Scott came back and oversaw the extension of the original Alien. So, which I think I saw the extended version of the original Alien too when I watched it. Yeah, I think I watched all the extended cuts. Which I don't again. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, Josh, how about you? Uh, well, I'd like to uh, take this chance to uh, plug a movie that uh, a lot of my friends were in before I knew them. Um, speaking of Merle, Michael Rooker uh, directed a movie uh, that was once called Pinhurst, but now you can find it under the name Asylum of the Dead. Uh, it's on uh, various <laughs> streaming platforms. It is god-awful. It is maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Have you been holding out uh, on us? Is Merle one of your friends? Michael Rooker? Uh, he's bought. He's bought me dinner before, so uh, hey. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and I pissed him off by asking a stupid question. So I don't <laughs> think I'm one of his favorite people. But, so he didn't um, invite you to his room afterward? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was. Did you ask him if he was Mary Poppins? I didn't. This was before, actually, uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, no, yeah, 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 I'm not going to go into the story. But anyway, he, uh, the movie is, uh, there's a frame that's worse than the movie itself. And the frame story is uh, teenagers breaking into an asylum and telling the story that's the main story, but also making fun of the story that's the main story, like hanging a lampshade on anything that didn't make sense in the original. Um, And there are flashbacks to somebody else's story that aren't attached to either of the first two. So uh, if you want a real jumbled mess of a movie that happens to star some people I love very much, uh, check out Asylum of the Dead. Um, Other than that, uh, I watched a classic movie called the seventh victim it's got like a 93 percent on rotten tomatoes and i do not know why if anybody out there <laughs> loves the seventh victim please tell me why leave a message at uh, this web zone if you like the exactly. seventh victim. <laughs> please in the app or something yeah send us a message care of deeply discussing um but we'll uh, send you a pizza roll if you can explain why you like the seventh victim <laughs> Exactly. Oh, so much Totinos. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> is that going to demonetize us? Um, so, uh, we are now sponsored by Totinos. Totinos. <laughs> us in Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, yeah, so uh, the only other thing I've been watching was um, Archer. Uh, I didn't realize it was back on already. And uh, Hulu is doing FX now, like as it's coming out, mm-hmm. instead of having to wait. So uh, caught up on Archer and been enjoying that quite a bit has anyone watched trust speaking of effects shows with donald yep. sutherland zach you watched it yeah is it any good is it worth checking out um i enjoyed it i thought it was kind of a just a, a more extensive telling of the um you know that whole the story of the getty thing yeah yeah there was the movie the the richest man in the world yeah. or whatever that was that, that all the money in the world had kevin yeah. spacey and they had to replace him with Right, uh, Christopher Plummer. Plummer. Christopher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Donald so Sutherland I, in the series. Yeah, I think that the series does a better job of just like taking its time with the story. It might be a little bit more drawn out, but also Brendan Fraser, uh, sort of like as a comeback, or at least that's the first thing I've seen him in in a while. Um, was kind of worth it. He was just he was just different in it. Um, he was. I, I thought it was good. He was in either the last or the second to last season of The Affair as a pretty. Mm different like he's he's sort of a antagonist in the in the affair Brendan Fraser yeah yeah he's in uh the show Doom Patrol oh right on I haven't seen that one yet I want to watch that um I, I'd well, say I might it's give trust it. to watch it's like eight episodes so yeah um it's not it's not terrible I'll say that much like I I enjoyed that much more than like Versace or any of the other effects sort of like hmm ryan johnson joints that they've been trying to push on me um oh which i forgot totally to mo- mention ratchet um on netflix but yeah nothing really special to talk about with that it's ryan john or not ryan johnson fucking whatever his name is aaron how about you uh so recently i have been diving into horror movies i watched uh wait Cronenberg's- you've been watching horror movies 
I know, I know. It's so off-brand for me. Um, I watched Cronenberg's The Fly, oh, yeah. um, which is another fantastic. great remake. Um, I I picked up a movie that I had never seen before um, called Shivers, which mm-hmm. was Cronenberg's first film. Yeah. Um, not as good, <laughs> but uh, d- definitely definitely leaned into his uh, his body horror type thing um i also watched one of my favorite movies which was written by john carpenter not directed though um the eyes of laura mars uh fade dunaway film from 77 78 somewhere in there okay uh, basically a photographer that can somehow see what a killer is doing and she takes photographs that mimic his crime scenes and it uh, it attracts the killer to her it's a it's a really interesting movie has has faye dunaway tommy lee jones brad derief and raul julia a really excellent cast um if you've never seen it definitely give it a go uh, but that's that's what I've been watching lately. Well, speaking of horror movies with really great casts, uh, we watched Alien Three, uh, the the Black Sheep, the the beginning of the end of the Alien franchise. Uh, we did it to make sure that that Zach got there. Um, it's yeah. been about twenty five <laughs> episodes ago that he uh, was just on the cusp of watching it. So yep. um, so here we are to talk about it. Um, Josh, let's start with you. Tell us, t- tell us your musings on Alien Three. Alien Three. Well, I saw this in the theater back in the day. Oh man! Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember very distinctly that I could not see what the fuck was going on in ninety percent of the movie. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, it's a very dark film in in a lot of ways. Um, I. I don't get as butthurt as a lot of people do about the them erasing the ending of Aliens with the, you know the beginning of this movie. Um, yeah, right, it was, so right off the bat, let's let's explain that yeah. for people that that didn't subject themselves to this. Um, Aliens <laughs> ends with Hicks, Ripley, and uh, and Newt, Bishop. Newt. Uh, escaping with what's left of the Bishop robot. And Newt, I I said Newt. Um, okay, and uh, <laughs> the beginning of this movie instantaneously kills off everyone except for Ripley, and they manage to bring Bishop back to life for a brief scene um, before letting Lance Hendrickson play um, a related but separate character later on in the film. So, yeah, it, it starts on a down note, and then it just gets less happy from there <laughs> yes yeah um yeah we got uh, what we got attempted rape we've got head lice we've got uh dogs getting ripped apart it's really a family film when you think about it um <laughs> it's all about family it's just it like uh, the family the we make the not the one we're born with yeah exactly it's the, <laughs> it's the shitty prequel to oz 
It really is. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, Rock, Charles S. Dutton, bringing it home. I actually kind of like him in this movie. I, I love Charles S. Dutton. Yeah. So I, I was kind of excited I think about the performances this. are great across the board in this movie. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> They're not it's the just, problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a fundamentally flawed film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was very curious. Uh, you said we're going to be able to mine a lot out of this. And uh, in my memory, it's just people running through hallways and uh, trying not to get hit with a steady cam. Yes, it is. That's um, all alien films. <laughs> I mean, this, this movie tried to like, okay, uh, James Cameron, he brought in all of these aliens and it was an intense action film let's get back to the horror and so it goes back to the one alien causing all kinds of just heinous shit happen and they have no weapons so it's and they have no it's weapons a, it's so back to being a threat that is just one yeah and it's it's got such a great premise and then it's just like it falls apart uh, they, they don't capitalize on any of it, it. There, there's a kernel of a good idea in there. Uh, there is, there is not a good premise. Uh, this film is not based around a good premise. Yeah, the kernel of the good idea is that the alien arrives on another planet that it's not familiar with, so that that's about it. Um, where it goes from there is just well. Most of the good ideas toilet. were shit canned by Fox before they even started shooting, um, which we'll get into because a lot of that's like documentary information, not of the actual piece uh, information. But so you saw it in the theater, um, yeah, and it was really dark. Um, what did you think of the uh, effects in the theater? Uh, I remember not being terribly impressed back then. And since I've seen it, you know, several more times, uh, I don't know why I've suggested myself to it in multiple <laughs> viewings. But when you're watching the Alien movies, you just got to go ahead and watch all of them, basically. Maybe this well, one's better now. Except Aliens versus Predator. Right. I was like, yeah, you know, after I became a Fincher fan, I was like, oh, let's go back and see where he kind of got started and what I maybe I misunderstood. Was it more? I did or, not misunderstand. Was it more or less um, dark than AVP Requiem? Hmm. <laughs> I cannot tell you because I have never watched AVP Requiem. Um, that's the common complaint yeah. with that. There's is some that it's so dark you can't go. fucking see anything that's happening. It is still better than their first AVP. Well, really? The first one was rated PG-13. That's a real low bar, but okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, Aaron, you sort of... With Lance Henriksen playing that same guy. Yeah, Lance Henriksen, the only returning cast member for AVP. Just going to say, I did like that um, we got to see a different animal base for the alien this time. Um that that was something in the comics I used to read about a lot. So depending on what they just stayed inside, that's how they come out different. So the dog alien was, uh, I thought a good idea anyway. Now, now it's interesting. You bring that up uh-huh. because in the theatrical version, it's a dog right. in the work print version. It's an ox. Yep. Oh, and yeah. it still looked that way. It still acts like a dog. Um, 
it's a, it's a bit bigger. It's a bit bigger in the work print version. They don't change anything besides the one scene. I'm. I thought the his the alien shape and head was a bit bigger, nope. like like almost like a wall. Is literally yeah. the only scene that they changed uh, regarding that was the 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 birthing scene, and the only reason the the reason that you know that for sure is because in the birthing scene the alien is CG and it looks like a 1992 CG alien. And not a, or a, I'm sorry, like a 2003 CG alien, because that's when they did the extended, uh, instead of a horribly rotoscoped third scale puppet that it is in the rest of the movie. But go ahead, Aaron, your, uh, what, what's your take <laughs> on Alien 3? Oh, man. I, you know, I, ha- I have fond memories of Alien 3 because... <laughs> Did you get a hand job while you're watching movie, it? Like, how the fuck do you have fond memories of it? <laughs> it, was, it was 92. I was seven years old, man. What a freaky hand job. Right? <laughs> no, Your dad's um, weird. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's sad because it's true. Um, so, <laughs> what the I fuck remember. Is happening? <laughs> oh, I remember going to. <laughs> This is I a remember going show, right? to the movie. <laughs> I remember going to the movie theaters, or no, I'm sorry, not the movie theaters, the rental store, um, and seeing Alien Three on the wall and thinking, I was like, "Oh man, this this cover looks amazing. I want to I want to watch this movie." And my mom telling me that you know y- you have to watch the rest of the series first, so. If it wasn't for the cover of Alien 3, like, catching my eye, I probably would have never gone back and watched Alien until way later in my life. Um, And I watched Alien, and man, it scared the shit out of me. But I loved it, and I, I couldn't get enough of it. I, I, I And I watched it, and I was just like, oh my god, it just keeps getting better and better. And then finally... Finally, we got to rent Alien 3. And your fond memories are? I was, I think I was eight years old when I finally watched it. Uh, eight, or, eight or nine. And. <laughs> okay, I was joking about your parents, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I was, it was so bad. Um, it. The, it didn't have any of the cool effects of the first two, you know. The e- even the chest burster scene where it pops out of the dog or the ox, depending on what version you're watching, it's just so terrible. The dog just like shaking back and forth, and, and then like blood. And, and wow, that was that was great. I'm so glad we got to see that. Um, but also, it has one of the most uh, enduring scenes of any alien movie, and that's when the alien corners Ripley in the hallway. Yeah, the one like practical shot of the alien not attacking her. Yeah, it, it's like if, if you ask somebody to find a picture describing alien, they would probably give you that scene. Yeah. Um, and so it, it has it has really. St- stuck with the series but 
I don't know if it's for the positive or the negative. Um, I'll come back to this a bit later, but Dark Horse Comics released an unproduced screenplay of uh, William Gibson's screenplay for Alien 3. And I don't know if it's better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's better. It's just very, very different. Is that the wooden Uh, planet? For people listening at home, Aaron actually has a physical copy he's holding right now of that. For our wooden planet story? I, I bought it. I couldn't help it. I was like, oh, shit, Alien? I've got to get that. Um, it didn't. It didn't really make it better. But did anybody uh, get the Alien Three trading cards? Just me. I wish. I wish. <laughs> I got. I, I got wish. The, that would have uh, been awesome. I got the enamel pin set. You didn't get the enamel pin <laughs> <No>. set. Okay. <laughs> I got like seventeen of those bald guy cards, and I just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> Which bald guy? Um, <laughs> yes. Forty. Forty-two. Man. Forty-two. Um. So. I, when I finally watched the work print version, which was what, uh, you said 2003? Yeah. When it finally got released, um, it was like night and day. I don't, I don't necessarily think it made it a good movie, but it was so much better than what we initially got. That it, it it was just it was very noticeable. Like I don't think I could ever go back and watch the theatrical version. Yeah, it's certainly better. We'll get into that too. Uh, we'll get into you know the differences and and what they did. But uh, Nathan, what are your thoughts on Alien Three? Uh, you know, I, I kind of was looking forward to this episode a little bit just to hear what everybody thought was so bad about it to a degree because I, I you know I couldn't really put my finger on why it was bad um, it wasn't great but I you know I'm also putting it up against all the other alien movies that have come out and it it's at least the third best out there I mean I I'm sorry <laughs> those last couple that have come out are god-awful I haven't seen the second of the AVP ones um, probably for a reason um, but you know I, I will give it this I think that for its time, I think the vision of like the world that they were trying to build cinematically was really interesting. Uh, you know, just the color scheme and how tonally it was really specific through pretty much the whole film. Um, I don't think the world was quite ready for that. There's been a lot of movies since then that have been made that kind of have that and are much better at it. But I do think that for its time, that was kind of unique. Um, but I, you know, I can't say I love it. I can't say I hate it. It's just kind of somewhere in the middle there. I enjoyed watching it to a degree. Um, the special effects are really bad. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they are, they're probably the worst part about this movie. The acting is why you show up, honestly. The casting and the acting are both really great. And I think if you squint your eyes, not so much you can't see it at all because it's so dark, but if you squint your eyes just enough, you can kind of see what David Fincher was trying to do. And if you like David Fincher, that's worthwhile. Um, I did not see the long, long version that you guys are talking about. I saw the cinematic version, I think, that was just on HBO. 
Um, I probably they're both on HBO. Longer. What's that now? They're both on HBO. Oh well, I watched the short one. I'm pretty sure. If you if you go to watch Alien Three, down where the extras are, there's only one extra, and it's the extended edition. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, I didn't watch that one. I just watched the regular one. But you know, I feel like I probably saw all the basic stuff from the the other one uh, by watching all the special features. But yeah. So um, the the movie has. Um, some some pretty massive problems um, with its story and with its structure. Um, killing off Hicks and Newt is just an immediate blow, and it immediately um, puts you in sort of a, a a bad place with the movie. And I think that's intentional because the rest of the movie is very nihilistic. Um, and, and dour and down. I think where they really screwed up though, is that, um, they kill Charles dance for shock value. And he's the only character we care about in the whole movie. Besides Ripley, they spend all this time with the two of them getting to know each other. And, you know, we know about the alien. Ripley knows about the alien. She hasn't told Charles Dance about it, but he's told her like basically everything about this place and, you know, confided in her with all this stuff. And it's getting to the point where, you know, she's going to have to tell him because it's obvious that the alien is loose and out there. And then the alien kills him in a subversion of expectations. You know, we're expecting that he's going to be sort of the new Hicks or the new, like, you know, co-lead of the movie. Um, but then they get rid of him. And so then you're left with, uh, they kill him and like within two minutes, they kill the head of the prison as well. Um, so that guy's out. And so we've killed off like the two biggest uh, co-stars in the movie, as far as like names goes. And we're left with the Dutton character, uh, and in the in the original version, that's that's sort of it. Now the extended version, Paul McGann is a much bigger part of the story. In the theatrical cut, he just disappears from the story once Charles Dance dies. That's like the last time you ever see him. But there's all these beats that are added back into the story of McGann's character because he ends up being the one that lets the alien out when they catch it. And Fox hated that they were able to catch the alien in the movie. They thought it made the alien look weak. So they cut that part out of the story and then they couldn't use any of, uh, any of Paul McGann who plays Golic, the like crazy guy that like eats cigarettes and that kind of stuff. I think he only eats the cigarettes in the extended version now. Um, but he's like the guy that they won't, they don't want to like go into the mines with cause he's nuts and they think he killed those guys in the extended cut. So like he's, he's kind of like the antagonist of the movie and he's sort of, he, he's literally is on the alien side. He thinks the alien's awesome and that's why he rescues it because in his insane mind, he's like me and the alien are going to go kick ass and the alien just eats him. <laughs> like he lets it out and the alien's just like, yoink. Thanks. Like, 
Yeah, like the alien almost kills him, and then he's like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Yeah, when he, he calls it a dragon, he calls it a dragon, and yeah. when he sees it like kill Charles Dance and go back up into the, the ceiling in the extended version, he's like magnificent, and that's when he sets out to to rescue it from uh, where they've got it locked up. They managed to like lock it in this chamber with these like six foot steel doors that it can't it can't break through. Um, and then they're supposed to wait for the Wutani Corporation to come and deal with it. Um, until Ripley figures out that that's what they're keeping it for, and she's like, you know, no, it needs to die. We need to not give it to Waylon Yutani. Um, so. Once Charles Dance is dead, it's like a whole other movie starts, and that new movie is really boring and predictable. It's just hallways and aliens, and the alien kills everybody that we don't care about, and we don't care that he's killing everybody we don't care about. Um, And then it has a really iconic ending that they had to fight to get into the movie because Fox didn't want Ripley to die. They wanted to keep it going. The only reason they were able to shoot it was that Sigourney Weaver said, I absolutely will not ever do another alien movie. You (laughs) need to kill me in this movie. And so they shot it. The idea is great that it's like chest bursting as she jumps into the lava, but the effect is terrible. It's all rotoscoped and like she falls way too long into the lava. They make the lava look like it's the sea all of a sudden. Cause she just gets really small before she hits the actual flames. Um, all of the, anytime the alien moves, it's a rotoscoped puppet and it looks God awful. So when you saw it in the theater and it was too dark to really see what was going on, you were actually benefiting because on the Blu-ray and in the extended edition, you see every frame of what's going on with that. And it always looks fake. It always looks like it's put there in post. Um, There's a particularly bad shot where it's like running down a corridor and they slam a door in its face. And you see the alien like start to crumple up before the door closes. It's like, what? What what did you do? And then when you watch like the behind the scenes on like how they did all that stuff, it was like state of the art, really difficult. Um, They did really difficult mathematical things where they they got the camp they they recorded david fincher's camera movements into a motion tracking system and they rotoscoped the puppet with a camera that was moving exactly like the camera moved on set but all scaled down to a third scale so it was the right size as the puppet and so they could see in real time like where the actors were and where the alien needed to be. And they would just sit there and like run this thing down this hallway over and over again until they got a a version of it that looked right. It's just, they couldn't rotoscope it well enough. And because it was so small, because it was a third scale when they blow it up to full size. And then especially when you blow it up to HD, it's like every pixel of that thing stands out and every rotoscoping error is just enhanced. And so like the, the classic scene um, that Aaron was talking about the alien sort of hovering over Ripley. That's like the classic alien shot, the, the trademark alien shot. 
that scene is a uh, 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 practical alien, and it looks awesome. But right before that scene, right right before that shot in that same scene, they show the alien come around the corner, and it's the rotoscope puppet, and it looks like shit. And then you see her like hunched against the wall, like sh- shuddering and like in terror. And then the practical version comes out, and it's like, oh, it looks like a thousand times better now. Um, so it's it's just a mess all the way through, um, the like that. Um, and and learning more about like why the production was so fucked up, um, how they they didn't let the original uh, the, the guy that did the original concept was supposed to direct it. He did all the pre production, and then he walked because they finally told him no on enough things. They they just kept pulling things out of the budget that he was like, "Fuck this! I can't make the movie I'm trying to make." Um. They tried to make it with Rennie Harlan before that. That didn't work out. He spent like a year and couldn't come up with a good idea on it. And then they pulled David Fincher in thinking, hey, David Fincher's this music video director. He'll do what we say, and we know he can shoot really well. And that's not David Fincher's personality. He's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to make my movie, and it's going to take how long it takes, and it's going to cost what it costs. And and Fox just completely fucks him at every turn, and that's that's the interesting part of the movie. That's that's where it gets cool. Where I say to you know, and what I said to Zach about watching it was that I think everyone needs to watch Alien Three so that they can watch the countless YouTube videos and documentaries and stories from people about how completely screwed up this production was. And how it how it went so terribly terribly wrong, um, but I will uh, I for now I'll give it to Zach Zach. How was it, man? You 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 watched Alien Three for the first time. We watched the extended version, so you you got the benefit yeah. of those extra scenes and um, some updated effects and stuff. So, what did you think? Truly, um, my th- thus far absolutely my least favorite of all of the alien films that i've watched including the newer prequel films and uh any of the avps although i haven't seen requiem but i'm gonna watch it now um but like yeah a lot of what you said dale i mean you know it just was it's just hard to watch at times i didn't care for the story like i just didn't feel like it fit in the alien verse like I guess I don't. I, I, not that I'm like you know the scholar on alien verse or whatever, but like just so random that it lands on this like prison planet with just male prisoners that was abandoned. I, I don't know. Like I I feel like they have such mu- so much more a uh, story to tell with the universe that it, that it lives in. Um, you know, and I'm not saying it has to go like to this extreme of like Starship Troopers or Avatar or any of these other like iconic alien films in terms of, you know, uh, aliens being sort of like the focus on it. Um, but like, it just like, yeah, the acting I think was probably the best part about it just because there were some really good actors and some good acting and they were really trying. Um, and I applaud David Fincher's um, uh, attempt Man, he did, to direct he did his best. Yeah, it just you can kind of tell. I almost think like from a viewpoint of uh, watching it, how we did, it felt like it was absolutely studio 
problems that corrupted this entire film. Like it just felt that way. Like even watching the extended version, which was clearly the better version of it, it was still very much just not there and boring at times or like there were scenes that didn't even make sense they came out of nowhere the the scene where they're hanging out in like the bulkhead and they're just hanging out talking about how they want to like how can they kill the alien and things like this and i mean it was just such a weird like uh that was the one where they had to like re-record all of the audio right because they had uh they like couldn't get any of the original audio so it's all feels like it's dubbed over because those anything that was was restored for the extended cut they only had what was shot on the day. They didn't ADR any of that stuff for release, yeah. which makes sense, right? They wouldn't have bothered to record for scenes that didn't go into the movie. Um, right. So when the work print version was released with Quadrilogy, the audio really suffered um, because of that. And then they got Sigourney Weaver and Charles Dance to come back and loop several lines to fix some of the extended version. But even so, Zach and I could hear the difference in audio when those lines would come in. Like all of the echo of the room they were in would disappear and it would sound like Sigourney Weaver's in a tin can for a second to give this line um, because you couldn't hear it with all the water and all the shit that was going on on the actual camera sound. Um so, like, you know, she's 12 years older and she's sitting in a studio somewhere going, well, what should we do now? You know, kind of thing. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that All that stuff. And then, then the ending, too, where, like, they finally get it into the liquid metal situation. But it's still, of course, still it bursts out because it's a badass. And then Bishop shows up and you're like, oh, bishops here again and then but no he's really human this time and then and then the like the the like uh second in command guy freaks out and like hits him with a tool like a pipe wrench and then his ear is all ripped off but like terrible practical effect wise like it's sort it was so it was so bizarre i don't know like just from beginning to end i felt confused and uh and betrayed (laughs) and just like a lot of uh a lot of just like haziness (laughs) well did you notice or did you realize watching the movie that the the alien inside of ripley is a queen i did yeah i did realize that so in in the regular version there's no clues that that's Hmm. what's happening um, in the extended, she just she just like randomly says, "I can feel it. It's a yeah. queen." Yeah, it's like what? How, how, why? <laughs> they have like some scenes of um, sort of like a, a sonogram MRI futuristic thing in the extended cut, um, where she goes with the the guy with the low IQ, <laughs> and they scan it, and like that's where she realizes it in the extended version. But yeah, it's it, it's not very well told or established. Which is also something in terms of like, and I'm not saying we need a shit ton of exposition to explain the alien species and like what they probably don't know that much about them. But like, you know, essentially in the idea of the concept of a queen is that there's one until there's another one. And I guess like, did they destroy the, because f- they didn't destroy the first one on the planet in Alien 
right? They leave that planet, but they take one of them with them that's inside of one of their friends. One of the so drones. How, yeah. So then how does how does one alien create another queen if one queen hasn't died yet? I don't know. Well, that's the same <laughs> queen as in Aliens, though. Um, the one from Alien, that's the same planet as in Aliens. Oh, they go back. Okay, they go back. Yeah. I see. And then, so then, but how did that it, queen dies? So I guess one dies. queen would lay an egg for a new queen, hypothetically. Yeah, there sure. were. It turns out there were two aliens on the ship with them, and not one. Hmm. And one of them made one of them put a queen into Ripley before the events of the movie start, and the other one uh, ended up in the dog slash ox. Ah, and that's the one that okay. chases everybody around. Okay, but we never see we never see the queen um, at all. It's just that's the realization after after Ripley does her you know sonogram yeah. thing. Oh, that's right, because she fights the queen at the end of Aliens with the big giant claw thing. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, like forklift machine I- thing. Yeah, for some reason I'm like jumping. I'm totally skipping from Alien to Alien Three, probably because of tone more so than anything. <laughs> all right, all right, it's adding up. Wait, the one thing I, uh, Rance Henriksen at the end is another robot, right? I mean, that's why his ears hanging off like that. That's I the way s- I always read it. Yes, he's. But he a, says he's human. He, he, he says he's the original. Okay. He he oh. lies. He, he's listed in the credits as Michael Wayland, but it's just another clone because Wayland would have died hundreds of years before. He certainly wouldn't look like the robot, right? Like if he created this robot and Ripley's been with it for like a hundred years now and deep sleep and stuff, uh, <laughs> the real Lance Hendrickson would have aged. At least a bit. <laughs> but doesn't doesn't Alien Three supposed to supposedly take place like days and or weeks after Aliens? Um, it it's never really established. Um, there's fifty seven years between one and two. Um, because her daughter like dies in the interim between yeah. one and two. Yeah, her daughter I, back I'm on Earth. Not, I'm not sure of the timeline between two and three. I, I don't right. think they ever uh, that, yeah. as firmly establish. I, I think you're right, Aaron. I, I think that it's just somewhere in some of the like trivia notes that I read that it's like that's what it's supposed to be is the idea that it's, it's supposed to be almost- a while after or pretty close after. Um, I know between Alien 3 and yeah. 4 is like 200 years. Right. That one, I guess, makes sort of sense. Well, yeah, we won't bring up the plot of Alien Resurrection for <laughs> those who those who still haven't seen it. Um, but Alien Resurrection is it's entertaining in a whole different way. It's not, um, and like Zach, you said that Alien Three is your least favorite, including yeah. Alien Four and Prometheus and uh, Covenant. And yeah. You have to go into Alien 4 with the mindset of this is a big, dumb action movie with characters from Alien. Um, it's not it, 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 It's not a continuation of the canon story. It's just nonsense. Yeah. Um, so It almost feels kind of Guardians of the Galaxy to me. 
As a matter of fact, I think that even the the pirate ship almost looks exactly like the Milan. What's a uh, Milano? Is that guard? It, yeah, right. Like the setup. Did you see the chairs in Resurrection of the ship? They're like exactly the same yeah. as in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, uh, it's funny in the uh, documentaries. Uh, I, I don't think it was in the actual Wreckage and Rage documentary, but there was like a special feature about the reception to Alien Three. Uh, that's uh, that's on the uh, anthology collection where they ask Ron Perlman about what he thinks about Alien 3, which Mm. he's not in Alien 3, he's in Resurrection. But he was like, I didn't like anyone in that movie. Like, there's no one for me to root for in that movie. Um, And that's sort of my nutshell review of it, too, is that the the closest thing we have to a character to sort of hang, hang on to is Charles Dance, and in the theatrical cut, man, he is dead like in the first 30 minutes of the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. He lasts a well, little bit longer that... in the extended cut, but it's still like it, they just reset the whole story at that point. They they also like give you this idea that, okay, well, maybe Charles S. Dutton is a guy, but then he looks Ripley dead in the eye and is like, I am a murderer and raper of women. And you're <laughs> like, well, okay, I guess not. <laughs> Shit. What, uh, what, uh, where do yeah. we go from here? Oh, and then like the guy who lives, isn't one of he one of the guys that tries to rape her at one point? The one prisoner? Um, the person that lives is Morse. Okay. I, well, I can't tell any of them apart, so he looks like yeah, one of the that's guys that tries big to problem, rape is that <laughs> they And that was a last-minute, like, David Fincher uh, stylistic thing. So, like, the actors uh, kind of had to do that at the last minute. He was like, yeah, and all the prisoners are going to have shaved heads and barcodes. And they are like, how much are we getting paid? And they told him, they're like, all right, we'll, we'll do it. That's, I guess that's fine. Well, it should have been like a, a pretty dead giveaway to the studio in the first place. I mean, if the, the writers in the very first five minutes or so of the whole documentary about the making of basically said they were uninspired <laughs> to even write this third movie, I, it, that should have been a dead giveaway to the studio that maybe we need to hire someone else to kind of go at this. Well, they did. They they did hire more writers and and yeah. and that's where the so yeah the the guys that sort of had the say over everything um, ended up being producers on this film and then they end up having writing credits but that's yeah. a backwards fucked up thing too where Sigourney Weaver had it in her contract that the only people that were allowed to write uh, anything to do with Ripley were. Those two guys, James Cameron and Ridley Scott. And so to get it... She mentions that. And so to get it written around those parameters, those guys have writing credits, but it was really written by the guy that they were originally going to have direct the movie. And then they scrapped a bunch of his more expensive ideas. He, He envisioned like this giant planet made of wood that had like giant wheat fields on it um and it was it was a religious 
uh, sect. It was like a big monastery kind of sect, and not there was no prison to it at all. So the whole changing it to a prison and changing it all of these like indoor corridors was a budget issue, and that was part of why the director, the original director, left. And they had built all of those sets. They'd spent like $7 million before they had even hired David Fincher building sets. And then Fincher came in and was like, yeah, we're going to change all of this and redress it all to look like what it looks like in the movie, which is this like prison planet sort of, um, it's not like art deco, but there's sort of a weird like mixture of architecture styles that's going on in it. Everything looks like a giant urinal uh, from like some <laughs> old subway system in in London somewhere. So, according to William Gibson, uh, he was approached by Fox back in 1986. Wow. Um, they they had approached Brandywine Productions, which were the producers. Um, specifically David Geiler and Walter Hill. Um, but they didn't really want to do an Alien 3 unless they took it in a new direction. And according to William Gibson, who was the original person that they hired to do a screenplay, um, when he talked to Brandywine Production, they suggested having a Marxist space empire exists in Alien. So oh, that's where so this screenplay... Empire. Yeah, the, this, this screenplay comes in, and this screenplay is almost the antithesis of Alien 3 because um, at the time, Sigourney Weaver had said she wasn't going to come back. Uh, so, in in the screenplay, Ripley is in a coma throughout the entire thing. Yeah, and it follows Newt and Hicks. Right. That screenplay has absolutely nothing to do with the Alien Three that was made. The story yeah, for Alien it, Three came from Vincent Ward, who was the original yeah. director, and he well, actually the original director was Rennie Harlan. Okay, but he didn't come up with any ideas or write a story. He he just spun, yeah, he just spun his wheels for a year. So Vincent Ward, Vincent, and he, and he said to them like, "I don't have any ideas, and I've spent a year, and I've got other things I want to do." So Vincent Ward, they asked to come out and pitch them a story idea with nothing, and he was said, <laughs> he said um, basically like he's a New Zealander. And he was like, well, I get a flight to L.A. That'll be fun. But I don't have any ideas for this movie either. And he came up with the idea for Alien 3 on the flight and pitched it. And they said yes and signed off on it. And they started working on it. And what he pitched and they signed off on, they ended up getting rid of like 90% of it before he said enough. And so... His story is the is the it's it's the credited story of Alien Three. Um, David Fincher huh. has uncredited writing in it. Um, some of the other producers have uncredited writing in it, but 
David Geiler and Walter Hill are the official screenplay writers because that's what they agreed to with Sigourney Weaver. So the first four to five pages of this screenplay by Gibson is just him railing against uh, Geiler and Hill and Fox as a whole and Rennie Harlan. Oh my God, he goes hard on Rennie Harlan because he he says that he he presented a script which Fox then presented to Harlan as. And I quote, space commies hijack alien eggs. <laughs> yeah. So Rennie Harlan signs on, but he wants to, he, he, he told Fox that he wanted to get together with Gibson to rewrite some things. And so Gibson was like, yeah, sure, let's, let's do this. And Rennie Harlan kept canceling on him and pushing it off for just months on end and finally gibson dropped out and then not too long after that harlan dropped out and that's when they went to ward yeah but uh this is batshit <laughs> so right all of that's to the side there's like a whole other story here about the movie that we watched um wow <laughs> so yeah um like they they tried to put a bunch of stuff back together in the extended edition from David Fincher's work print. Um, I talked about how um, Fox didn't like the whole thing about the alien being captured, which completely destroyed what Paul McGann's character was up to. Um, that part of it didn't make any sense. They also did lots of like silly. They shot three different endings for the movie. Um, they shot a version where she doesn't fall into the lava because it hadn't come out yet, but they were hearing that Terminator 2 had a similar ending. And then they didn't end up using the alternate ending. I think the alternate ending also had Ripley survive and Sigourney Weaver wouldn't let him do that. Um, by the end, uh, Sigourney Weaver was tired of shaving her head because she knew... She was going to need like years to grow it back to play more roles. So they got to like one point in reshoots where she said, if you bring me back again and I have to shave my head every time I have to shave my head after this, it's going to cost you $40,000. <laughs> and so instead of spending $40,000, when they had her come back for reshoots four additional times over the next nine months they had someone hand make a bald cap with hand pinned stubble to look like her hairline that took like six hours to apply correctly so that it lined up with her hairline and and looked right so instead of like doing it right the first time or spending the money that she requested to shave her head again they they subjected her to this like nonsense like four more times and the poor like hair and makeup guy was just like like by the time they did it four times they had spent more than the they'd spent way more than the 40 grand they'd spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars on makeup and time and other other shit that was going on with it <laughs> 
that the the documentary wreckage and rage is really uh really well done really good at chronicling everything that goes in there um the original version of that there was two versions of that documentary that came out one of them was called wreckage and rape and i think that came out with quadrilogy wreckage and rape is the name of one of the songs on the soundtrack that's that's where they got that from they changed it to wreckage and rage when they did the anthology version and the difference between the two versions is that the original uh, cut a bunch of David Fincher talking shit on the set about <laughs> Fox, but the one on anthology has him like there's a there's a, a bunch of stuff that he says, but there's one point where he like pulls a boom mic down to his face so that you're sure to hear it, and he's like, "This is because Fox is fucking stupid." <laughs> it eventually led to their demise and they got bought by Disney so <laughs> At Disney's Disney's new alien directed by Paul Feig yep <laughs> and Lin-Manuel Miranda doesn't, doesn't matter <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda I'm known for that <laughs> as El- Ripley Ellen Ripley yeah. is yeah. a Disney princess Rappin Ripley. No, Rappin the, Ripley. the baby in Resurrection is an alien princess. A Disney no. princess. For no. sure. Those <laughs> eyes? I mean, how can you not? Oh my god, it's the worst. <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful butterfly. You just got that thing in like a yellow dress hanging out with Mulan and Snow White, like Walter oh, Knight's Disney World. It's the it's the Geiger version from the uh the special uh edition stuff the with the lips oh yeah the erotic version (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's another part of the the uh the documentary where they uh is it is that part in the documentary is that one of the like enhancement pod things it might be one of the i don't know what's the difference but it was in the um, anthology version of everything it's called erotic alien erotic or something like that i can't remember. I, I think that's an enhancement yeah pod. there's like a there's like a whole thing on on giger's redesigns because fincher wanted giger to redesign the alien specifically for alien 3 and it was supposed to be based on the ox he wanted it to be uh like a a cross between an ox and a jaguar like way more way stronger and way faster than it was before but he also wanted it to be more erotic. And so they gave it this, these like pouty woman lips that it had. <laughs> and it was like supposed to like kiss people and then like spit the other tongue out and kill them with it. Which that, that whole 15 minute segment was like a great, like unvarnished view of just how batshit crazy Geiger himself was. Yeah. Um, or genius, depending on how you look at it, I suppose. Well, it's but, insane. Like whoa. he, like Fincher Fincher couldn't go like nobody from the production could go to Switzerland to actually meet with him and talk to him about what they wanted. So it was all them calling him and talking to him about what he wanted, what they wanted. And then he would sketch like 600 pages of ideas on the, the paper size that fit into his fax machine so that he could fax (laughs) the designs to them so they could look at it. And he sent them so much stuff that, like, the creature shop couldn't actually act on much of anything that he did. And so he's like, yeah, eventually I just stopped hearing from anyone at Fox, and that was kind of the end of it. And that's why 
Gear wasn't involved with Alien going forward. He was like pissed off that they wouldn't come to Switzerland to, to meet with him. It's like they're stuck on this like albatross of a project that's costing them hundreds of thousands of dollars a day and they need to keep it moving. Well, I mean, shit, they're still receiving faxes. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that isn't that lippy alien thing kind of really reminiscent of like an Emerson Lake and Palmer um, album cover that he did? Uh, it might be. I don't. I can't recall off the top of my head. It's really like. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's uh, really like super ridiculous, like. It's like a Rolling Stones lips on the xenomorph. Yeah, there's a go go Google brain salad surgery. There's a a documentary on Geiger where somebody goes to his workshop and he greets them like he rides in on a fucking like small train. Oh yeah. And there's like a train that just like train tracks that go through his entire workshop. And he's he's batshit. Yeah. Like it's he's a weird he's dude. Swiss. So I can it's, I can it's imagine. Like Germany plus meth equals the Swiss. <laughs> um one of the things they did to uh Vince Ward was uh he got this phone call one day from like it was either like his agent or somebody else that was like a mutual friend that knew the people at Fox. And they said, um, Hey, they, uh, they gave you this woman assistant, right? And he's like, yeah, she's been, she's been doing really good. And they're like, he's like, so you know that every day after you finish work, um, she calls back to headquarters and tells them everything you're doing. Right. And he was like, uh, yeah, of course I knew that. And then he calls Fox and like <laughs> tries to get her replaced. He's like, you know, she's overqualified for this. I'll I'll find somebody here in London. Don't worry about it. Um, but that that plagues the whole production too, where uh one of the two producers, I can't remember which one now, um was on set all the time and he would go to dailies with Fincher. And Fincher would say, okay, this worked, this didn't. Here's what second unit needs to go reshoot. Here's what they don't. And then he would walk out of the room, and this person that was following him would say, okay, three out of the eight things that he just said you can do, the other five you can't. And so they were just undercutting him the whole way through it. And the movie was going to be next to impossible for him to make with everybody's help. And like the cast and crew were on Team Fincher, but because Fox had the money, they had the uh, they had the ability to veto him behind his back like that as much as they wanted to, and that's why he didn't end up he he didn't do the final cut of the movie. Like he just got frustrated and left. Yeah, it sounds like just uh, the perfect storm of crazy, god awful studio executive bullshit that continued to plague every single aspect of this film, which should tell you that it should never been made. I mean, like eventually maybe, but like not when it was. Well, yeah, from, because from Fox's perspectives, what made it weird was that alien one, um, they had no expectations with, um, they knew, you know, Ridley Scott, 
he's got this much budget. It's not a big investment. It's whatever. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Aliens was kind of the same thing. It wasn't a huge high budget movie, but James Cameron did really well with it. And so both movies made a whole lot of money on fairly small budgets to the point where Alien 3 was now a franchise and Fox had sort of bet the farm on it succeeding. Like its success was going to determine whether the studio made it or not. And so they had to be super invested and involved and on top of it succeeding and making sure that it, that it was under budget so that they could make their money back and all of that. And it, you know, it, it certainly did not perform up to what they wanted it to perform at. Yeah. And it has not become a cult classic. So failure there too. It's definitely gotten more appreciated over the years. Um, I know that the, the extended cut did a lot uh, to repair people's view of it and the understanding of how, um, how, com- how, how screwed up the production was has sort of, uh, sort of tamped down a little bit the, mm. the absolute hatred for it. Sure. Um, you know, but it's, it, 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 I think like when it came out, like a lot of people blamed David Fincher for it and that's not really fair. Um, it, you know, it's de- it's definitely Fox's. It, it was Fox's mistake, and and Fox yeah. never should have spent seven million dollars building sets and creatures and things with a director that they weren't really behind. That ended up leaving, and then they really screwed up by hiring a director that they couldn't tell what to do. You know, it may have been a completely different movie if they had gotten, you know, Paul W. S. Anderson or somebody in there that would just like earn a paycheck and shoot the movie. But that's not who David Fincher is. And the rest of David Fincher's career, like, you know, he made fight club after this. It's like, Oh, (laughs) when you let him do what he wants, like, yeah, he's difficult to work with, but there's like, there's, there's a good part. There's a, a payoff to, to dealing with that, to, to working that way. Yeah. This was Fincher's first film. Yeah. Yep. Full length. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he like he followed this up with seven seven yeah I yeah. think would have been the next one timeline wise and and I mean that lit the world on fire so yeah they just should have shown him a little bit of trust and just let it go they I think they just really liked his commercials and his music videos they liked the style that he had um, and they kept referring to him as a good shooter meaning he was good at getting good stuff on camera, but they didn't trust him as a, you know, from a creative standpoint, they didn't trust him and they weren't willing to spend the money that he needed to get it to work the way he wanted it to work. Sorry. I subjected you guys to such chaos, but it was worth it. Uh, How dare you? It was a nice revisit. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun, and you should seek out the uh, the documentary, Zach. I think you'd appreciate it. Yeah, I'll have to try to find it online somehow. I'd look to see if HBO had any of that, but they didn't, so I'll have to... It's, it's only on those Blu-rays, um, ah. so I might have to 
Maybe I'll zoom it to you some night. Next movie, uh, we should do Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Nope. Not happening. Uh, <laughs> Come in. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, Nathan, it was your turn to choose a movie. What would you like for us to watch? Well, so I don't like to pick movies that everybody on the podcast has already seen, but I think we took a small poll last week and nobody had seen You Can Count on Me. Or a couple people have, but not everybody had seen it. So I think I'm going to make that my pick. Okay. Uh, it's another Mark Ruffalo joint, early career, and it's got Laura Linney. Uh, it's fantastic, I think, but I'll let you guys be the judge of that, and uh, that's my pick. Okay. Well, sounds good. But uh, thanks, everybody, for talking Alien 3, and we'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.